Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. This is episode number 130. I'm one of your hosts. I go by the name Alexander Apricot Pepsi Holland, and I'm coming to you live and direct from the beautiful capital of Germany, Berlin, and I'm sat digitally across, as I am every single week, from my number one pod brother. He's got to be the one called John Maloney. John Maloney, normally when I give you a say hi, you say greetings from Melbourne, Australia, but Mm. today you are on location. We've taken all those Patreon dollars and we've sent (laughs) you off on an important mission. Will you let Mm. the listeners know where you are and what the important mission is? I'm at the beautiful Ylang Ylang Villa, just outside of Orbud, the cultural centre of the beautiful island of Bali. And for anybody who's listening to the podcast and they said, I've never heard of Bali, I've never heard of Indonesia, can you explain Indonesia and Bali to that <laughs> listener? I'm doing sure. audience, I'm doing dimwit, dim-witted audience advocacy. Audience allyship for the goofballs. <laughs> for the goofballs um, out there. All right, goofballs. Well, Indonesia. <laughs> Indonesia is Australia's closest neighbour. <laughs> And it consists of probably many thousands of islands. And it's got a population, I think, around the kind of 300 million mark. So That's around massive. the same as the as the US. So it's a vast population, which ranges from heaving metropolises like Jakarta all the way down to my favorite thing in the world, undiscovered uh, groups of people living <laughs> in harmony with nature in the forest. Sometimes wow, called undiscovered that. tribes. Yeah, amazingly, even though it's just a little bit west of uh, of you know Bali, which is the kind of exact opposite of an undiscovered society, it's a it's a society that's been discovered by some of the crappiest Australians out, as well as some <laughs> lovely Australians like me. But um, uh, then you go to West Papua, and there's lots of um, there's lots of un- uncontacted peoples, apparently. Wow, which is incredible. But I'm in I'm in Bali, which is a very interesting and diverse place, and I've been having a good time. It's Jacinta's brother's birthday, and he lives near here in Singapore, so he suggested that we all come up and join him for a few days. So it's been fun. And I've taken the opportunity to... I've been just leaving um, recordings of the podcast wherever I can. I've put a few in bottles and thrown them into the ocean. In what, on US... USB sticks? Yeah, sometimes sometimes USB sticks, sometimes just uh, just pressings of my, that, that <laughs> I've made. Vinyl pressings. <laughs> my own pressings. Yeah, things that I've, just things that I've pressed. I don't really know how to do it. Um, so hopefully that reaches. You just, you yell into a book and then close the pages. <laughs> exactly. And then just write DPTM on the book. John, I absolutely love having you over there in Bali and it's the perfect place for you to be sat so that I can share with you a very special person that I've discovered. Now, Mm. 
A lot of other users out there will be hip to this guy's groove. If you've been on social media in the last year, I expect you will have come across at least one of the videos featuring this particular person. Uh-huh. And he's a man that has a rare talent that I didn't even know was a thing. And he's taking my absolute well by storm in a way that's <laughs> just pure joy. And it's a mm. little bit it's a little bit difficult to even describe why it's so joyous. Yeah. But I want everybody out there to check him out after this uh, after this little story. Mm-hmm. So online, this man goes by the name Rainbolt, and his real name is Trevor Rainbolt. And okay. What caught my attention was that I would be presented with a social media video. It would be split screen. There would be a young man at the top of the screen staring into his webcam. And there would be the screen of what he was looking at down the bottom. And it Mm -hmm. became obvious that what he was looking at to me, I'm on the internet a lot. I know what a Google street view image looks like. We're all familiar, I think, with what Google street view looks like. Yeah. And then suddenly the image of a Google Street View would appear on the screen, just a still of any place in the world. And you'd hear a few little clickety clacks with the mouse. And then and then Trevor would go, uh, this is uh, Bali. Let's, let's, let's throw mm. you in. This is mm. like Bali, Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And then you'd go, what's going on here? And then you see the next mm. video and he'd do the same thing. And he'd go, this is probably St. Petersburg, Russia. Mm-hmm. And, and he's looking at these images for fractions of a second yeah and it's pretty obvious that what's happening is he's somehow being presented with stills of google image and is somehow being able to ascertain where they are taken Mm. within seconds Mm. and he's doing it not just for where he's from in the u.s but seemingly every corner of the globe Mm. so he's just going this this is helsinki this is estonia this is Botswana. Mm. This is, and he's just doing it's it wild. in seconds. And you're going, what is going? What? First of all, what is this game that he's playing? From one, what is going on? From just to be clear, he's not screwing around in Street View until he finds something. He's just doing it from one still image. One still image, yeah. and typically within seconds. Yeah. So he's he is. I mean, I've he does these point. We'll get to this in a sec, but he does these like point one second challenges where he's literally being flashed a like a frame mm. like a 24 one of 24 frames of a of a of a film of yeah. a place and he's able to bloody guess where it is so what's going on here is that trevor is playing a game called geoguesser mm-hmm. which i had never heard of so geoguesser is a browser-based geography game where players are tasked to guess locations from google street view mm-hmm. and i just kind of assumed that it must be new because i saw Trevor playing it only in the last few months. Mm. But uh, unbeknownst to me, it's been around since 2013. So it's over 10 years old, this game. yeah. And it only had a small player base until the COVID pandemic. And then a lot of people started taking it up. Yeah. And so Trevor Rainbolt has just become a star on social media because people are looking at him going, how is he able to guess where these places are <laughs> all over the world? What mm. is, it's like some sort of savant. Yeah. And so he's been interviewed by the Washington Post and he said that he started playing in high school in 2016 at the okay. back of the class. Yeah. He says when he started, he was really bad and then he got addicted to it. <laughs> and then he was playing like eight to 10 hours a day and he was playing all weekend 
<laughs> and anybody that's seen these videos will know that they're just a joy to watch. And it's so captivating mm. because what he's doing just seems impossible. It's like how there's just, you're looking at the image. Yeah. And I mean, my geography is not great anyway. And I'm just going like, I don't know anything about Botswana. Mm. How is this guy able to look at a patch of dirt with some grass? Mm. And he's just kind of, he's not only realize that it's Botswana, but like northern Botswana. Mm. And you're just going, what is going on here? So he's been Wild. interviewed by quite a lot of publications and he's very forthcoming about what he's doing. Mm. And it's it's not the it's not a trick. Yeah. I just want you all to, it's it's not a trick. It's just a beautiful <laughs> gift that he wants, <laughs> that he wants to, give, to you. give to you. Yeah. And he's very forthcoming. So he'll just say to you, well, so things for example like he'll say Colombia has a cross on the back of all the street signs. Mm. So if he's presented with an image and he sees a cross on the back of street signs, he knows he's in Colombia. Yeah. And then and then he can use a few further tricks to try and decide which part of Colombia he's in. Yeah. He's probably like, Oh yeah, that's, that's this is this is this thing the cross on the back of the street signs and something else means I'm in Bogota. There might be like a, a type of bollard that's by the side of the road that he goes, Oh, that's exactly. that's how they look in these four countries, and I've already seen this other thing, which narrows it down to this one country. Exactly, mm. bollards, mm. telephone poles. Mm. Um, so he is. So he said in Lithuania, Lithuania has a lot of blur on the camera because when Google drove their Street View camera uh, cars around, mm. there was some kind of thing that happened where some of the images in Lithuania were slightly blurry. So he's <laughs> able to. So anytime he sees this certain quality of a Google image, Street View, uh, Google Street View, he knows that it's Lithuania. Mm. Russia often paints the bottom of their street signs black. Mm. Uh, he's. I've seen one where he said. He looks at this cabbage patch on the side of the road and he says that cabbage is only found in two regions in the world. It's either in, in it's either an island off the coast of Russia or it's Hokkaido, Japan. Wow. Uh, he says v Vienna has blue street signs classically with the with the street number on the sign itself. Poland has very specific architecture that he calls Minecraft architecture because it looks very, the roofs are very flat mm. and so the buildings are very blocky. So he goes, Poland has Minecraft. That's how I know. Wow. He's able to do it in, in his own country. Uh, you can tell by how wide the lines printed on the road are. If there's two lines printed down the middle of the road, yeah. the gap between them often suggests to him where he is. Mm. And then like other things you said, John, bollards, telephone poles. So mm. he knows, I've seen one where he just instantly goes, as soon as he sees a Stobie pole, he knows he's in South Australia. He yeah. Just Stobie pole, South Australia, bang. Just before we started today, you sent me a little short primer where he's kind of taking people through some of his tricks and that and maybe one or two clips that I hadn't previously associated with him specifically. I didn't know who I was watching at the time, but they were just like amazing geo-guesser tricks which I didn't understand at the time. But the thing, yeah, he was talking about bollards. He was talking about things like the length of license plates in certain countries and, and you know, um, markings on the roadsides or markings in the middle of the road or like vegetation. Yeah. Or the one that I enjoyed was I think in northern and southern Kyrgyzstan, there's, there was <laughs> yeah. two people riding, two different people who were riding on the, like who were in the Google Street View car and they had, one of them was shorter than the other. So you can tell, once you know you're in Kyrgyzstan, you can tell whether you're in North or South by 
the kind of angle that the camera t- is is taking the photo of the road at because you can see wow. that one of them is reflecting on the rear view mirrors of the car at a different angle because the person taking it was taller or shorter than the other person. So it's like real kind of, you know. Forensic. Forensic and, and, and being able to very quickly sort these different factors in your mind, which would, you know, I mean, I think it's a combination obviously of, of uh, just an intense amount of learning, but also of him just having a certain kind of brain, which I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem realistic that even if I did this for eight to 10 hours a day for months, I, I would be as good as he is, but it's just uncanny. Yeah, and also you you wouldn't do it, and mm. I suppose that's the other thing is that he absolutely loves this. Yeah, he's still to this day, he's still doing it every single day. He just mentioned in a recent interview that they've only just added India to Google Street View, mm. and so now he has to learn all of India, and he's just loving it. He's just loving <laughs> now that he can go through all the Indian street view mm. images and start to learn what the different distinct parts of the districts are. Mm. And yeah, he said that two of the, so he uses also the direction of the sun and he uses the type of vegetation mm. a lot. So he said that dirt color texture uh, is really important. And he, he's also talked about having what he calls of, we, we've spoken about how he's able to, to, explain what he's doing uh but he's also said that he he's got another type of guest which he just calls a vibe guest mm. where he's going on total intuition mm-hmm. and there's something in his brain he stored so much information that he just has a <laughs> feel for places so this is particularly impressive when you see him do these challenges where he's shown something for a tenth of a second mm. and he guesses he, he guesses to within a, a, a small amount of kilometers That's incredible where it is in the world yeah and he said the only way that he can explain it is after doing this for so long that he just has an intuition for it he'll see the grass yeah he'll see he'll see the dirt he'll f- get a feel for the sunlight and his brain will just go yeah i think that's here and then the other thing that I think that has really endeared him to people on the internet is that beyond playing GeoGuessr, where he makes these videos and posts them on social media and they're very, they're very captivating, yeah. he started doing this other thing where people send him images from their own lives where they don't know where the photo was taken mm. and they ask him to find where the photograph was taken so the ones that are you know the most moving is people would just write to him and say look my mum died three Mm. years ago and there's this picture of me and her together when I'm a baby that I have this photograph I have absolutely no idea where it is Mm. if you could find it for me that would mean so much yeah and he's able to do it and it's insane he just goes You'll be looking at a picture taken in the late 1980s of a mother and her daughter in Japan. And in the background (laughs) is a kind of blurry mountain that's Mm. blue. And Mm. it just looks like this looks like a billion places on earth. Mm. And yeah, he's able to just go, yeah, it's taken exactly here. And then the way the video is produced is brilliant because Mm. there's this kind of... um, it's it's really beautiful, beautifully structured because you'll see the social media post that mm. says, "Please, can you help me find where this photograph was taken?" Mm. And then you see his face, and then this move, this emotive music starts playing. Yeah, and then there's like a bird's eye view of Google Earth, and it starts just zooming in mm. to the Earth as this emotive right. music plays. Yeah, and sure enough, 
it dips down into the very location where the photo is. Yeah. And then he compares where the photo, you see where the photo was taken to where he's found it on Google Street View. And it's exactly the same place. And you see him fade in the picture of the mother with the daughter. It's beautiful. Mm. I love I, I love you, Trevor Rainbolt. <laughs> yeah, I reckon that one that you're describing uh, was the first one I'd ever seen with, with no real context about how on earth somebody would possibly be able to do this. And because it was like a, it was a photo which I think was taken somewhere maybe on the Californian coastline or maybe in the Pacific Northwest or something. And there was kind of random vegetation in the background, but it basically looked like people sitting at a sort of rest stop lookout kind of situation. And uh, you just thought, you know, how would you ever, I mean, you might be able to say it was probably in North America, but uh, even I wouldn't be able to even say that, but then he got the actual, you know, this very, very specific vantage point, which just seems like such a needle in a haystack miracle. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, and what's even more amazing is that there's no kind of magic to it. It's just like good step-by-step uh, -step forensic learning and adding up these minuscule factors to try and, and then presumably looking through, you know, relevant areas to kind of finally spot the exact location. But um, Correct. Uh, which would take take a while. But my my thought as I learned more about him was kind of like, surely, you know, the CIA is going to tap him on the shoulder and say, can you, we've got, you know, someone's sent, a, sent the police a provocative photo from somewhere they're about to like, you know, shoot someone or let off a bomb or something. Maybe you can help us identify that, which wouldn't be, uh, easily made into a saccharine sweet reel, but it would probably be <laughs> a useful, a social good uh, of, of no less magnitude. Because, you know, like they must get photos, all, there must be photos all the time and I presume they have people in their, you know, every kind of intelligence service in the world that's worth its weight would have people who, who are getting good at this kind of thing. But uh, that's got to be a valuable skill, right? Being able to look at a random photo and go, this is where that's taken and this is therefore where you need to look or go or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, it, 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 and they, there's been a lot of talk about whether, I don't think he's, I'm not sure if he said that he's been approached yet by the CIA or not, but there uh -huh. have been a, uh, there has been a lot of chat in the community about how valuable he would be to an asset like that, like you say, mm. John, and... Yeah, I suck at geography, so this is all the more impressive to me. My friend Jordan is the best at geography of hmm. anyone that I know. I, in fact, have a map of Europe printed out on my desk at all times just so I can kind of feel like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of know where things are. Yeah. Uh, and so to me, it's just... And a lot of people have said as well, actually, before we go on, John, I might actually just play a tiny bit of audio of what it sounds like hmm. to people because you'll get a sense, you'll get a sense of, of the feel. what... Of the field because he explains exactly what he's doing as he's staring at the screen. So this is Trevor Rainbolt. Let's start with Asia. A very helpful tip for when you're in Thailand is if you see these fences on the side of the road, like these concrete fences with holes in them, more than likely you have to be in Amnat Sharon, which is this like northeast city over here. Let's move to Indonesia, which is incredibly difficult to region guess. I have three helpful tips that will help your Indonesian guessing. This bollard right here with the yellow, white, black, and it's like concrete, is only found in central Sulawesi. So if you see this bollard, 
you're going to be in central Sulawesi. Another random tip that's extremely helpful in region guessing is this green pavement on bridges. If you see this green pavement on bridges, you have to be in central Kalimantan, which is this region on Borneo Island. Yeah, and I think one of the things that people love about it mm. is people have said that he's making geography cool. Mm. I think it's very enriching because it's opening people up to the diversity of the world. Mm. You know, Americans are often labeled mm. as being quite insular yeah. uh, on the global scale. And yet here's this guy who's like, I know the most intricate details of the most random places and the most random corners yeah. of Earth. And I take notice of them. I know the details of the weirdest corner of South Korea that you could imagine. Mm. I know, and you know, I know how to find South Australia. Funnily enough, I know that one if, of the I, other if I see the big pineapple, I'm in Queensland. <laughs> <laughs> well, funnily enough, one of the other best geotag players in the world is from Adelaide. And there, and, and I, I believe that there's, well, there's videos of Trevor and this other guy. And I think Trevor traveled to Adelaide and spent time with this other geo-guesser. And mm. they, uh, they did a bunch of challenges together. <laughs> and it's funny, this Adelaide geo-guesser guy, mm. uh, whose name escapes me at the moment. I'll look it up in a sec. But he he's able to do it with Adelaide specifically. So he oh, sent geo-guesser yeah. to just give him Adelaide locations or South Australia locations. And he said it to the point... To, to the tenth of a second setting. Mm. So he was being flashed images of Google Street View mm. in South Australia for a tenth of a second. And he was guessing, He'd he was say, going, this is Stepney, this is Nord. That's Heaven Nightclub. That's the Moore's <laughs> Balls. <laughs> it, was just, it was just various locations on Rundle Mall that he was... He, I'd actually do all right with that, I reckon, in, yeah. point, in, in a tenth of a second. As Palace Cinemas, I can tell because it's... <laughs> Yeah, it's very recognisable. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes me realise not just, I mean, I'm not great at geography, but my geography is probably better than my ability to actually recognise, you know, from that kind of pinpoint data where I am. Like even if somebody, I mean, I was reflecting on the, on the other day on the fact that I've been in Melbourne for a decade now and I'm not even sure I could draw you a map of the Melbourne CBD streets. Like I'm always like, oh, where's Collins Street? Is it this way or that way? And whenever an out-of-towner asks me something, I always get this like, you know, pang of anxiety because I'm just like, oh, man, I don't know this stuff. And if somebody yeah. said to me, you know, uh, where's this photo from? And I'd just be like, oh, I don't know, is that Tokyo? And they'd be like, no, it's... Fucking, I'm behind you, you idiot. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of reassuring that it is a learnable skill in a way that you can go, you know, you can manually go, well, there's this and there's that. And, you know, the sun's uh, there. So I know that I'm uh, whatever facing this direction, blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of the, it's the modern something. equivalent of, of, um, of what they call it, celestial navigation. Mm, that, it is. That, that, uh, that sailors used to do. Have you seen the ones where he, he does also really funny ones mm. where he'll get sent, he'll get sent, in particular, he gets sent any social media video that's popping off where the person 
is bragging about where they are and mm. then deliberately hiding the location. It's really funny. So he'll yeah. There's there's a there's a great one where they um there's a great one where a guy's eating an a sandwich <laughs> and he's in he's just in he's just in what looks like any kind of diner mm. on earth. You can't see. He's in the diner mm. and he's basically holding the camera and looking down at it on his phone camera and he just goes, this is the best sandwich I've ever eaten in my life mm. and you all know I'm not going to tell you where I got this sandwich and then it just cuts to Trevor and he just goes, I will. And then he goes, you're, you're here. You were here on this date at this time. You ordered this sandwich from this business. And you, and you were sitting at this table. And you're sitting at this table yeah, and then he yeah, shows, yeah. it compares all the data and shows you and it's so, and he's completely deadpan when yeah, you get it. Yeah, the guy yeah. just goes, and y'all, y'all know I ain't going to tell you where I got the sandwiches. Cuts him. He goes, I will. <laughs> and that's so good. And then he also does, um, he also does, does, um, he finds locations of where famous memes were recorded. So oh, yeah. he does these funny videos that will say, uh, 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 you know, he, the way that he sets it up is it says, you know, my friend said to me, Hey, that's just a red fence. And he goes, no, it's not. And then he, and then again, it does the zoom in from the earth mm. and then it goes right into a street somewhere in bloody Atlanta. And suddenly he's like, he shows this red fence on a residential street mm. where, you know, just in the, in the burbs. And then he shows that it's from this like really famous meme of a kid doing some particular dance <laughs> yeah, okay. or something. Or some, yeah, I imagine he'd do the same with, you know, film locations or whatever that, you know, backgrounds from commercials or something. Exactly. Like, you know, so lo- lots of people ask him about where music videos were shot and oh, he just does it straight wow. away. They just go, oh, where was this Coldplay video shot? Because mm. it will be this exotic looking amazing location. And then he'll just go, oh, yeah, here it is. It's just right here. Mm. Just incredible. And yeah, it's, it's a unique, us humans, we love a unique talent that we don't really understand. It's almost like magic. It's like, like yeah. I said, he's almost like a savant who's able to do these incredible calculations in his head in seconds. Mm. And he's taken, for me personally, John, he's become my new hero that has a unique ability. My previous hero that had a unique ab- ability mm was uh Joey Chestnut the oh, yeah. competitive the competitive eating competitive champion eater. yeah Joey Chestnut he's the guy who can eat more hot dogs yeah the, in 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 a in a time window than anybody else on earth mm. and before i came across Trevor Rainbolt i had Joey Chestnut posters mm. all it's just a kind of heavy set tall white american man scarf and hot dogs and cups of water down his face like yeah people don't like people don't like coming to my house because there's just pictures <laughs> of joey chestnut on the verge of barfing <laughs> everywhere and i say don't isn't this isn't this so joyous guys he's kind of like a savant of hot dog yeah he's the... people go no i don't think that's it <laughs> well i want to say move over usain bolt because we got trevor rain bolt <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> so, uh, one of the things that we've been talking about a little bit on the show, I think we may have touched on this more than once 
is the phenomenon of deepfake technology and the kinds of issues it's throwing up around public trust in uh, or the public's ability to trust content that they're presented with, which purports to show something even now um, in video or audiovisual form, uh, but turns out to be an elaborate fake. Uh, so we've talked about that. We've talked about the emerging uh, worries that are created by deepfake technology, people not being able to trust things, people being um, made into... Uh, uh, pornographic actors against their will and one of the particularly egregious recent examples of this which shocked me to my core and uh, really brought home to me just how worrisome this technology is uh, was the other day I was surfing on the internet as I do um, all my sites I go to rotten.com or geocities.com <laughs> and um, and uh, I saw an image of your and my favourite, uh, one of my favourite celebrities, favourite Australian celebrities, Richard Wilkins. Now, it might take a bit of explaining. Richard Wilkins is an um, Australian music journalist and celebrity commentator. He started off as a, um, as a kind of Australian new wave artist in the 80s. Uh, he had a his name was Richard Wilde. His stage name was Richard Wilde. Right. And he had a band called Wild and Reckless, which I love, and uh, toured with Grace Jones. And then that, at a certain point, kind of fizzled and he segued into being a television presenter. So he's done, like, he, he was the original host of MTV Australia. Um, then he was on various kind of, um, you know, entertainment game show, kind of celebrity game show type situations. And reported various um, famous events in Australian and international pop culture history. And he's he's a bit long in the tooth now. He's 69 years old and he's basically not doing that much. He gets kind of wheeled out on your kind of um, Today Show style morning shows, mostly to talk yeah. about uh, what's going on in the world of kind of B-grade celebrity. And, um, yeah. and so to see this image of him... Uh, on the internet getting uh, and he was getting kind of manhandled by two cops and yeah. um, he looked very haggard and very distressed and sort of red faced and uh, and the <laughs> caption beneath the image said his career ended uh, <laughs> so so naturally naturally I clicked on it and I was um, led to a very strange website that seemed to be trying to get me to invest in uh, unsafe scams. And uh, so I thought something's going on here, so I looked into it. And it turned out this was the, the second time this had happened to Richard Wilkins. Uh, and he, um, he was interviewed about it on, a, on, on another Australian podcast that I won't name. Uh, he was... Um, commenting I think the first time this happened on the fact that it was a bit worrying and then months later basically the same scam resurfaced using a slightly different image and he said that he had uh, received hundreds of messages from people saying you know Richard what's going on have you been uh, have you been arrested like are you into drugs and you hadn't told anyone are you into like weird porn and you hadn't told anyone what's happened <laughs> And, and in one of these kind of – he also addressed this on the Today Show and he was getting quite 
irate and emotional saying that, you know, that um, it's gone from, in his words, mildly amusing to quite upsetting and quite disturbing because he said he hates the idea of people investing in fake scams or losing money uh, because they've clicked on a link, which I don't really understand because... What was, I, what was, the, what was the scam? I'm just trying to think. I've seen a picture <laughs> yeah. of Richard Wilkins being arrested. Yeah. And then what's, I'm not sure the call, what... what's the call to action? What am I being asked? How am I being asked <laughs> to part with my money? That's a good question. It's related, because, <laughs> related to the I didn't photograph. actually click on it because I don't want a virus. But, um, but I... Yeah, I'm, I'm really not sure. I mean, whether it's a, whether it just takes you through to a scam site that generally asks you to, you know, says like, this is something that the Australian yeah, banks sure. don't want so you to ba- know. Yeah, it's basically just gets, just, you, just gets you on the scam site. And Unless then it says else there that- Richard, <laughs> Richard is languishing in a jail cell because he can't <laughs> afford bail and <laughs> just gets you to kind of fake crowdfunding his legal costs. Um, that would be great. <laughs> But the thing, uh, but the thing that fascinates me is he is kind of the the most obscure target for this kind of thing because he's not yeah he's like which does he, which does make it funnier it does because you go okay if you did this to the prime minister or you did it to you know um, Joel Edgerton or somebody who is a bit more recognisable in Australia then I don't know maybe the wisdom maybe there's wisdom behind it because they think well people will instantly recognize that as untrue because they'll think, yeah, I would have heard about that everywhere if that had happened. Whereas, well, and you could, you could, you could check within like, if it said, oh, you could check within seconds. If yeah. it said Anthony Albanese has been arrested, here's a photograph of it. Yeah. You just be able to go and double check that. And you, you'd know Anthony Albanese's whereabouts exactly. every hour of the day. Yeah. Whereas Richard Wilkins is the kind of celebrity and people in other parts of the world who are listening will no doubt call to mind his equivalent, um, of which there would be many. But the kind of celebrity who you kind of, you, you say to people, remember Richard Wilkins, and they go, oh, yeah, yep. But they, you know, they never think about him if they're not asked directly <laughs> or if they're yeah. not presented it with an image of him getting arrested and then they go, Richard Wilkins, what's he done? <laughs> um, so I don't know whether whether like some sort of AI algorithm is just, doing this to random celebrities or if there's someone who's deliberately gone. Someone who's pretty funny. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, is there a meeting somewhere and they'll go, should we, you know, should we do it to the, the guy, you know, should we do it to Justin Timberlake? No, he's much, much too recognisable. Okay, uh, someone local. Should we do it to, you know, um, one of the guys from, I don't know, fucking... Uh, human nature no they're 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 probably too unrecognizable what about richard wilkins he's on tv all the time and nobody will have thought about him in months so that that might be the bullseye for the scam the thing the thing about there's a few things about it to me that are that strike me as that that make me think that it's much less of an actual story Mm. than it is the first one is that Sure, you can use the word deep fake and you can say, oh, this is much more this is much more convincing than we've ever seen before. But just so people out there know, these are not videos no. of Richard Wilkins getting arrested. It is a still image. And there've been photoshopped still images of celebrities <laughs> in situations that they were never in for 30 yeah. years. Yeah, totally. That, that could that would definitely convince some people. Yeah. So the fact to me, I just think that probably what's happened <laughs> is that 
this came out, it's pretty funny. A bunch of people shared it and just thought, what a, what a funny deep fake. And then the, t- the Today Show just needs things to report on. Totally. So they've gone fucking, yeah. fucking absolutely sensational. We can get Richard on and he can pretend to be really upset, <laughs> upset. by this new spate of of photographs that cuz i mean as soon as i as soon as i see anything like this yeah the first thing i do is if it goes oh celebrity arrested by police mm. the first thing i go is go is that true or mm. is this just uh is this just fake so the fact that people don't do that if richard's saying oh i'm getting phone calls from people saying what's happened that person's probably like 80 years old and doesn't understand <laughs> exactly the, he's definitely not getting a call from like somebody who's tech savvy and going oh before i check if it before i just google is this authentic <laughs> yeah. i'm just going to assume that it is yeah exactly what fucking world are you living in i know i he said on today extra he said this is from a daily mail article the fucking engine room of the podcast is daily mail and uh <laughs> He said he he had received quote hundreds of messages from around the yeah. world from Bullshit. fans. It's like I, if I had been in that studio, I would have said, "I just want to take you back to that." So, are they coming through in in SMSs or in emails? And he'd yeah. say, "Oh, a bit of both." And you'd say, "Okay, can you show me some examples of the kind of messages <laughs> that you've received uh, via email from fans?" Uh, and yeah. he'd say. Oh, I haven't got my laptop with me. And you go, that's okay, Richard, I'll wait. Uh, <laughs> like, I, would not be at all, I would not be at all surprised if that... If, uh, also, I'm not really sure that this qualifies as a deep fake because deep no. fakes are videos. Yeah, that's I don't, I true. Think they're just, again, it seems like it's written by somebody who doesn't understand what a deep <laughs> yeah, fake is. A deep fake is specifically yeah, a right. very convincing video technology. Yeah. I have a, I have a feeling that's what's happened is that they've just had a sit around the boardroom at the Today Show and go, <laughs> we need a story. And then they've gone, I oh, will just get Mike in who does the imaging for the show to do a little Photoshop of yeah. him getting arrested in a park. And then we'll use the word deep fake, even though it's not a deep fake. It's like a Photoshopped image. And, and then butter bing, butter boom. We got a story that we can like milk for days. Totally. And Richard, you're not afraid of crying on camera. You do it all the exactly. time. You cried about COVID. You cried about COVID like yeah. when nothing had happened. Do you remember he said something like, Oh, you know, my, I thought that I'd given it to me son and me son was going to die. <laughs> He's like bawling his eyes out. Just. <laughs> Nonsense, and yeah, that's right. And he said, he said this, which is just the most kind of self-aggrandizing rubbish. He said that he suspected he was being targeted because, quote, in Australia, I have a reasonably identifiable face. And he went on to say that any suggestion of him being involved in a scandal would, quote, become a feeding frenzy. It's like Richard. <laughs> Most people don't give a fuck about you, I can assure you. It would not be that interesting, even if you had actually, done something. I would have a lot more respect for him if he was smoking meth yeah, in the park right. and getting exactly. arrested. I think, oh, it turns out he's actually cool. Yeah. And then, because you're right, the, the quality of these things is terrible. I mean, they're kind, they, look, they look sort of passable if you, at a glance, but, you know, they're definitely not the kind of high point of deep fake technology. They're certainly better than some things but but not that great and then and he said people have clearly got too much time on their hands to do this kind of stuff because it does look real which which i love because it's like what, what do you think they're doing like sitting at home in their in their like you know um 
in a dark room kind of putting together negatives of someone getting arrested and then superimposing your face. It's just pretty straightforward stuff. You can just get an app to do it in a few seconds. But um, I mean, there's, there's, two, there's two of them and one of them is particularly bad. <laughs> yeah, like it's just right. obviously... Yeah, all the lights It looks like somebody, photo, <laughs> somebody photoshopped it 15 years ago <laughs> and Sky News is just getting a full article out of it that they can run ads against. Not so only there that, you go. but they interviewed. So they interview for these articles. You know, it's one of these articles that just gets spawned in various different publications kind of copying each other. And they've all pulled out these quotes because somebody's gone and interviewed the former CEO of Facebook Australia who's just like, who's just saying, yeah, it's, you know, deep fakes. They're becoming more common and it's, you know, it's an issue. And he's saying, like, I used, when I worked at Facebook, there was a lot of well-intentioned people, but it's a big platform and you can only do so much about it, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then they mentioned on the Today Show apparently that they'd reached out to Meta to try and get the images removed. And it's like, Meta's trying to deal with like, a to, you know, like torrential amounts of child porn. They don't care about like Richard Wilkins getting fake arrested. <laughs> like with a, with a, fo- a photo, a fake Photoshop <laughs> image of him getting arrested. Yeah. It looks like it was made 15 years ago <laughs> by a teenage boy. Exactly. Such a boomer story. Yeah, the totally. Whole thing. I think they did it. It's like Richard's just going, I think they may come on the computer. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in to episode number 130 of Don't Praise the Machine. Before we go this week, John, a little bit of housekeeping, something I forgot to mention last week in the marathon special, the Berlin Marathon special. Oh, yeah. Because Elliot Kipchoge Mm -hmm. is a bit of a friend of the show because we're (laughs) often, because he gets mentioned in every particular episode. I mentioned last week that he had not broken the world record. However, I should have mentioned that the women's world record was broken Ah, last week in the Berlin Marathon, which I remembered as soon as the episode ended. Mm. And the women's marathon world record was broken by Teagst Gump. I'm sure that surname will be recognizable Hmm. to a lot of you because she is the granddaughter of the innocently naive shrimp entrepreneur and rural fast man, Forrest Gump. (laughs) And so Forrest's granddaughter breaking... <laughs> breaking the Berlin Marathon World Record <laughs> last week. That, what a triumph. Is that everybody. really a name? No, that's not really a name. Jeez. <laughs> 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 She's Ethiopia's Teagst, uh, uh, Teagst Asafa. Okay. She did shatter the world's, the women's <laughs> marathon world record. <laughs> Teagst, Teagst, or Teagst, Teagst Asafa shattered the women's marathon world record in berlin last sunday by more than two minutes which is tons that's mm. a massive shave off uh from the previous best two minutes to wow. clock in she clocked in at an official time of two hours 11 minutes and 53 <laughs> seconds so shout out to teagues yeah Asifa. and she did it in this brand new adidas shoe me being a marathon running man we're all obsessed with shoes mm-hmm. and the shoe that the shoe that she won in 
uh, has been an absolute marketing success for Adidas. It's a great example of how things about a shoe that could be seen as negative can actually result in an amazing amount of press. Mm. So basically, uh, for anybody out there, if you want to, if you want to understand how official shoes that you can wear in marathons, the rule is, John, if you want to, if you want to officially compete in a marathon and have your time, your time qualify, you need to run in a shoe that has been available to the public to purchase for, I forget what the amount of time it's, it's brief, Mm. but you can't, I think this is right. You can't run in a shoe that you can't just go down the street and buy. This wow. is the rule. That's it's interesting. It's funny rule. Yeah. And so Adidas released their marathon shoe, I think, weeks before the Berlin Marathon, knowing right. that a bunch of their sponsored athletes would compete. Mm. And uh, this particular Adidas shoe, the, the, the reason it got so much attention is because it's one of the lightest shoes in this category that you've ever seen. Mm. And the way they make it so light is that they, they, they've basically thrown durability out the window. Hmm. And as part of their marketing, they've said, this shoe can really only perform at its best for one marathon. Oh, wow. And, and it's $500. So this got all <laughs> wow. the attention. It was like, we've made a $500 shoe yeah. that's good for one marathon. Mm. Uh, and then and that's it. And she won in that shoe. So wow. it's this ultra light, ultra tech shoe yeah that is so light that you get uh, the material is so fragile yeah that you get 42 k's out of it wow. and then apparently their claim is and i think kind of this is marketing hype i've seen a lot of people say you can get more out of it yeah but their claim is that it's pretty much at its best yeah for the first 42 and then you chuck it in the tray yeah so okay the, great yeah fast fashion <laughs> reaches the the marathons yeah. um. exactly <laughs> 